Aloha, you are listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS App Store and find one of our Locked On Rooms. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. I'm your host, Chad Ford. My guest today is my favorite, the Athletics Tony Jones, back with us to talk NCAA NBA Draft Stock Watch. Every year during March Madness, there's an opportunity for prospects to be able to really help their draft stock. And it's in part because this is going to be a time when there's going to be more attention focused on the primary decision makers. Well, NBA scouts are out scouting all year heavily. General managers are also scouting to a certain extent. Uh, but this is a this is really a time and a platform for players to really help their stock, hurt their stock. This is often when head coaches are starting to pay uh, some attention from NBA teams. And this year has been unique as well. Because a lot of NBA general managers have not been able to travel because of COVID protocols and haven't been out in person scouting, but this there was an exception this week. There was a number of NBA execs uh, in Indianapolis uh, scouting the NCAA tournament, which I think is going to raise the specter of this tournament even higher. And so what Tony and I are going to do is break down players that we thought helped themselves, uh, break down some a few players that we thought uh, maybe hurt their draft stock a bit and get a gauge on the first uh, two rounds of the NCAA tournament. So, Tony, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just dive right into this and start with the guy who's been number one on my board, number one on your board all year, Cade Cunningham. He's out of the tournament now. Oklahoma State uh, uh, lost uh, on, uh, on Saturday. What did you think about his performance uh, in the two games that Oklahoma State played in the NCAA tournament? I'm kind of glad he's out of the tournament, to be honest, so he doesn't have to play with that team anymore. So that's 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 kind of my initial feeling. Um, you know, I thought that, I thought that um, Mike Boynton uh, didn't do him any, a lot of favors with, you know, the, the, the coaching, the offensive uh, spacing or the lack of spacing of the system. Uh, or, you know, the fact that, you know, I think that, that Cade's teammates uh, try to do way too much uh, when the ball should have been in Cade's hands. Um, I, I, you know, I thought, I, I know that Cade's a little, he became a little polarizing on Twitter. Um, but for me, uh, Cade is, is still um, uh, my number one prospect and in, in, in easily so. Um, you know, I thought that he did the best, um, under the circumstances of which he was presented. Um, you know, I, I thought that, you know, it was his circumstance, uh, in the tournament was kind of difficult. Um, I, I, like I said, I didn't, I did not think Oklahoma state was well coached. I didn't think they were well schemed. I didn't think they were well prepared. Um, you know, so I, I, I kind of, you know, I know that that Cade's uh, percentages were down, um, but I give him a complete mulligan. And I think that um, when he goes to the, the NBA, I think it's going to look a lot different for him. Yeah, it wasn't if, if this was your first time tuning in and seeing Cade Cunningham, uh, I can understand a bit of the skepticism. He, he ended up shooting nine for 34 from the field in those two games against Liberty and Oregon State, um, which just six for 20 uh, from three, had more turnovers than assists. You know, all things that you wouldn't necessarily think about with the number one pick in the draft. But, you know, two things. One, those are two games, if you watched him all season, especially towards the end of the season uh, and what he was doing in the Big 12, I, I thought he became one of the most dominant players in college basketball. It's not just drafting him on upside. I think you could have made an argument that, you know, first couple of weeks in March, the last week in February, he was the best player in college basketball uh, right now. Not just the best draft prospect, but the best best player in the game. And I think to your point, Tony, the second thing that was troubling was, you know, Cade, Cade the way defenses are gaming for Cade, that's been a problem all year. But his teammates at times, um, as you pointed out, just not giving him the ball, not letting him uh, be the primary creator, uh, jacking up jacking up bad shots uh, throughout the process. It, it was really frustrating 
uh, to watch. It was like everyone on his team forgot that they had the best player in college basketball and a guy who I think right now would start on virtually any NBA team while none of them, uh, none of his teammates, I think, are going to have uh, you know a sniff at the NBA. Uh, it, it was it was frustrating to watch, but I I do wonder, you know, I I was texting with a few teams, and I I think teams tend to be maybe more educated than the average fan on this, but there were a few question marks. I think especially because this this is a unique season where maybe some of those decision makers are seeing him live. They certainly have seen him play, but seeing him live for the first time, that this wasn't the ideal showing for Cade Cunningham. I think if there's if there's a question, I think the, the one question is, um, you know, does he have that burst off the dribble? Does he have the ability to, like you can see it in Jalen Suggs, right? Like you can see the burst off the dribble. That first step, it's going to get him into the lane every time. And you you question that. It, you, it's fair to question that with Kate. Now, for me, I don't think it's that much of a question because, I mean, he's six foot eight. And eventually, you know, his size and his handle and his poise and his ability to run, pick, and roll, you know, all of that's going to win out. Um, and he's going to find his way into the lane. And when he does, he's got, he's, you know, he's he's got a three-level game. So, um, you know, but I, I can see where that question, where that question is. The other question is, you know, how, how, how good defensively is he going to be? Um, you know, how proficient is he going to be, be able to stay in front of, uh, point guards, especially, you know, the point guards who, who, who are so quick off the dribble, uh, and so explosive off the dribble. But, you know, to me, those nets and, you know, and, and, and those are, you know, really minor things um, to, to, to be concerned about. I look at Cade Cunningham, and I think that he's one of the most complete offensive players uh, in this draft. Um, you know, like I said, he's a three-level guy. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's going to be I, – I think he projects to be a 40% three-point shooter in the NBA – I think he projects to to be able to to uh, to develop or have a real floater game, um, and I think he's going to be able to finish at the rim um, through through real through size and craftiness. So um, I think that he's going to be um, an exceptional pick and roll player. Uh, I think he makes exceptional reads once he does get in the space. Um, you know, so I. I like I said, I think that, you know, if you look at the raw numbers, like you said, you said, hey, you know, he shot, you know, 9 for 34, whatever he shot. He didn't, you know, he didn't play as well as he wanted to play. But for me, I mean, he's still no doubt, no question, uh, without a challenger, my slam dunk number one prospect. Well, I think that that's, uh, I, I don't know that everyone would go that far, Tony, but I still think that what he's done and the body of work over the year, his size, his position, what he's going to be able to do in NBA spacing on the floor compared to what uh, we saw at Oklahoma State. Uh, I still think he is the strong favorite uh, to be the number one pick. I don't think that this is going to sway too much. And part of that is, let's let's go to Jalen Suggs. Uh, Jalen Suggs uh, also did not have the strongest uh, first two rounds of the NCAA tournament. He had six games against uh, six points against Norfolk State, um, 16 against Oklahoma. One area where there's been some question marks uh, from NBA scouts is is what kind of three-point shooter is he? He was one for nine from three um, in those two games, more turnovers than assists. But then we saw many of the things that we love about Jalen Suggs, uh, his defensive intensity, his ability to get his own shot, um, anywhere on the floor. What did you think about uh, Suggs in his first two games against Norfolk State and Oklahoma? Here's um, here's the thing that, you know, here's the thing that I, 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 I see with Jalen. Um, at least at the college level, he's able to turn a game around defensively by himself. And that's what he did against Oklahoma. If you looked at the Oklahoma game, um, through the first, you know, 20, 25% of the game or whatever, you know, Austin Reeves was cooking Gonzaga, like absolutely cooking Gonzaga, just off the dribble, off the catch, um, 
on pick and rolls, on isolation. I, Austin Reeves was getting whatever he wanted. And Jalen Suggs, as the game went on, um, you know, now there was help from Ayayi and there was help from, from, from that one, two, one, three, one trap um, that Mark Few put on there. But Jalen Suggs, you know, really shut, you know, Austin Reeves water down and water off. And, you know, not only is Jalen Suggs um, a really, really, really good man defender, uh, he's also a great help defender, like a great help defender. He knows where to be. He knows his rotations. Uh, so I was really impressed with um, the way that, that he can defend. Um, and, and, I, and I'm so impressed with the way he gets into the lane off, off the dribble. Uh, I think that he's got a, um, he's got a first step um, that's going to get him uh, anywhere he wants uh, in the league at any time he wants. And it's just about – then it's just about making the reads. Um, you know, I, I do get the, the concerns with the, the, uh, the three-point shot. I think for me it's more of a concern of what his release is and where his release point is. Um, but he is um, – I, I still have – I have him number five on my board. Um, pretty much the same place. Um, but you know, he's, he's, you know, to me, he's a franchise point guard like the, and he's a franchise player, like the first four, four guys on, 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 on the board. All right. He's number three on my board. Uh, I, I do have a little bit of, of, of concern about how good a three point shooter he is. His free throw percentage is another area to look at. He's shooting 75% from three, which isn't great. Uh, for a guard, uh, and it's usually a more telltale sign of projecting uh, that. But there's everything else for me with Suggs ticks those boxes. Uh, and he's just a difference maker on both ends of the court constantly. I don't think there's a, uh, you know, you know, and Kate Cunningham has been a big clutch player as well. But I, I still don't think if you're asking me right now at the end of the game, which prospect would I want the ball in his hands? I'm um, at the end of the game to go get me uh, one big shot, and I and and that to me is Jalen Suggs, and uh, and and I and I think he's going to be a terrific NBA prospect. I've got him at three at my board. Tony's got him at five. Let's talk about Evan Mobley, who uh, is the is I think hands down the best big man uh, in this draft. I think uh, he has had a terrific terrific season at USC. Uh, what did you think about his performances against Drake in Kansas? He he didn't get a ton of minutes against Kansas in part because, it, you know, and I, I hate to say this as a Jayhawks fan, it was just an absolute route um, of a game. Uh, Kansas never really felt uh, like they were in this game. Uh, what did you think about Suggs' performance? He had 17 against Drake, uh, 11 rebounds, 10 and 13 uh, against Kansas. And he just seems to be getting better and better. Uh, Evan Mobley is special. <laughs> uh, I have Evan at number two on my board. Um, he is absolutely special. Now, let me ask you a question: Is it too is it too aggressive to to, uh, to to suggest that he might have some Anthony Davis on him? You know, I think it's because his body is so different than Anthony Davis uh, that we we haven't thought about him that way, and his body looks so much like Chris Bosh. Um, it's been such an easy, easy comparison, but I think you make a point here because the thing about Mobley and Bosch that's different is that Bosch was never really a great rim protector, but Mobley is. And that's where I think the Anthony Davis um, comparison comes in, what he can do offensively combined with his rim protection. And I think some of it's just going to come down to what Evan Mobley is going to be able to do with his body. He is so skilled. And he is so good on both ends of the floor. Um, you know, like you said, he's he is uh, an elite rim protector. But not only is he an elite rim protector, I think that he's going to be able to guard in space in the NBA, which is um, at least as crucial um, as the rim protection. Um, uh, offensively, uh, he's, you know, he can affect the game with the ball in his hands. He can affect the game without the ball in his hands. He's an elite rebounder on both ends of the floor. Uh, he's an elite finisher. Um, I think he's going to to uh, to progress uh, into a thirty eight percentage percent ish 
type of three-point shooter uh, in the NBA. Uh, he's capable of handling the ball in the open floor. He's capable of making decisions off the dribble. Uh, he's a really good passer. Um, he, th the only thing that you have a, a question with uh, with Evan Mobley is his, his body. Uh, he's even a really good free throw shooter for a big man. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's as talented as anybody is in this draft. I mean, he, he's really special. Uh, and, I, and I think that, I, you know, I have, him, like I said, I have him at two on my board and I think he solidified that spot. Um, you know, the other thing is not only, not only is Evan Mobley special, I mean, Isaiah Mobley is, you know, he's not Evan Mobley, but Isaiah Mobley's good, good enough to play in the, the NBA for 10 years. Um, that, that is, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I just think that Evan Mobley is going to have a really, really, really good NBA career. I, I do as well. I, I really think the body's the only question and, and, and he's number two on my board as well. And, and look, if, if a team decided that that's what they needed, I'm not going to have any quarrels with a team that takes Evan Mobley one, uh, or for that matter, Jalen Suggs, uh, one, I, I think Kate Cunningham is the safest choice. Uh, at one, I think he is the most complete player in this draft. But there are very legitimate arguments for Evan Mobley. There's legitimate arguments for Jalen Suggs. Uh, this is partly why I'm so bullish on this draft, and we are not even talking about the G League uh, guys as well, Jalen Green and, and Jonathan Kaminga, uh, both who, of whom have cases themselves uh, to be the number one pick. This is going to be a terrific start of the draft. Uh, Evan Mobley, I think, maybe showed the best uh, of those three uh, in the in the NCAA tournament, and uh, he and and Jalen Suggs get to play on. They both made the Sweet 16, so it'll be fun uh, to watch them going forward. Let's talk about the the number six guy on my board, uh, Keon Johnson. Tennessee gets upset in the first round uh, by Oregon State. Uh, Keon Johnson is a player uh, who came in with a lot of hype, but one of the youngest players uh, in the draft. And, and really started to turn it on uh, towards the end of the season. Um, had a more prominent role uh, at Tennessee. Uh, often found the ball in his hands uh, more uh, and, and was running the offense at, time, at times for Tennessee. Uh, and, and defensively is, is just a, an absolute stud of a basketball player. He's got the potential to be a, just a terrific uh, elite athletic defender his game against Oregon State was so-so. He's 6 for 16 from the field, 14 points, um, 6 boards, a couple assists, 3 steals in that game. What do you think about Keon Johnson right now? Where do you have him on your board? Um, I have him at 7 on my board. I have Scotty Barnes at 6. Um, you know, I, like you said, I thought he was so-so. Um, you know, I, I really, you know, I, I'll take it back a little further for Keon. I thought he was really good in in uh, the, uh, the 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 SEC tournament game against Alabama when I saw him. Uh, he had twenty points in that game. He did have five turnovers, but you know he had nine rebounds in that game as well. Um, you know the the thing with Keon, um, you know I, I thought that Tennessee just as a whole, you know it, it's it's hard when your team doesn't come out. And, and really show up in the NCAA tournament game. And Tennessee didn't show up as a whole. Um, and, and, you know, they were, it was, it was hard uh, to be in that game. And it's, so it's hard to be an individual um, in, in, in that circumstance. But, you know, he had 14 to six. My thing was this, you know, Keon missed half his free throws. And, you know, in, in that, when you're the best player and you're trying to come back, you got to make your foul shots. You got to protect the basketball. Uh, you got to make open threes, and and you know you have to uh, you have to control things. Um, but you can obviously you can see the upside. Like you said, um, you know Keon is has really come on, uh, and he's really become more important. Uh, he's really become more important for. For, for Tennessee, uh, as, as the year, as the year has gone on. I mean, he was, you know, great against Auburn a couple of weeks ago or a month ago. It's wow. It's a month ago now. 
you know, he had that 27 point game against Kentucky where, you know, that was the game where I, I, I was like, okay, you know, it's starting to click for him. Um, you know, he, he's, he's a guy that I think that, like you said, I think that he's going to be able to affect uh, both ends of the floor. Um, I think that he's going to be a plus rebounder for size. Um, you know, my question, my question with Keon, you know, as he translates to the NBA, you know, can he translate to being, being more of a point guard, uh, lead ball handler at the next level? Um, because if he doesn't, then that three-point shot is going to have to come a long way um, for me, and, and, and that's going to be a question mark for him for me. Yeah, it's, re- it's really interesting. This seems like, in some ways, the Isaac Okoro uh, debate a bit that we had last year about where he goes in the draft defensively, easily projects in the NBA offensively. There's question marks. Uh, for, the, for the season, Keon Johnson shoots 27% from three, uh, and 70% from the free throw line, which is problematic, and Tony alluded to it. But there are numbers that that suggest his assist rate was pretty uh, high. Uh, his turnover rate was also high, but you can see him trying to work into that position as well. There's just so much raw upside here. Uh, I don't think there's a, a very good chance that he slides out of the top 10. I have him at six. Tony has him at seven. Let's talk about the guy that Tony has at six, Scotty Barnes, who is just such an <laughs> such a weird basketball well, it was, player. It's funny uh, he was so more problematic ways. than uh, Keon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, look for you, you want to talk about good news in the two games he played in the NCAA tournament, he didn't miss a shot. If you want to talk about bad news, he took a total of four shots uh, in in those two games. Um, he was two for two uh, from the field in both of those uh, games. Doesn't take a three. Only uh, despite the fact that he's six eight, has only one rebound. I'm against Colorado, but the ball handling and his ability to see over defenses um, and, and create. And and then when you, when you combine that with uh, his, his terrific uh, uh, length and, and ability to guard multiple positions on the floor, uh, he is a ball handling, passing power forward who doesn't really shoot the three um, only shoots 62%. Uh, from free throw line, rarely gets to the line, doesn't really rebound, uh, but racks up assists and steals. It, you know, his his uh, profile, when you're trying to project him on who he is at the next level, I, I've heard Draymond Green, and, and you know, if he's Draymond Green, then he certainly deserves to be six. Uh, what what were your thoughts about Scotty Barnes in the tournament? Uh, he's just such a, a player that's just so difficult to project in a certain way. Yeah, yeah. The reason why he's difficult to project is that you know, I think unlike the first five, um, unlike the first five guys in the draft, unlike even Keon Johnson, I don't think you can plug him. You just can't plug him for every every franchise. You know, Scotty Barnes is going to have to go to a franchise that's really good at uh, developing guys. And, you know, because like you said, there are parts of his game that are really underdeveloped. And when I say I have him at six on my board, um, you know, I say that knowing that he's he might be the biggest he 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 might be the guy. He, he might be the guy that if you take him, you, he, you're either going to get executive of the year. Or you're going to get fired in five years. Then he might be that guy. And, you know, I think that um, I think that if if you draft Scotty Barnes, you're going to have to have a really strong support system around him. Uh, I think that you're going to have to have a strong staff. You're going to have to have uh, a guy that's going to develop him because if you do develop him, you know, you, you've got a monster. You've got a guy that can guard, you know, four spots in the, at the NBA level. You got a guy who's a really good passer. You got a guy who's a good ball handler for his size. Um, and then you, you know, if you draft him, you hopefully have a guy that, that, that can develop into, uh, a perimeter shooter. Um, but the other thing is that, you know, Scotty's got to go get it. You know what I mean? Like he's got to go and be aggressive. He's got to go and be a dog, uh, every minute that he's on the floor. And I think that, um, no, I think that's a question with him as well. Uh, he can't just float through games. You know, especially, you know, 
especially Florida State's uh, uh, next game. I mean, they got Michigan. That's you know that's the the highest ranked team left in 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 the in in, in their region. You know, you, you know Franz Wagner. I know we're going to talk about him. Franz Wagner is a dog. Franz, Franz Wagner struggled for you know, 30 minutes against LSU. And in the last 10 minutes, he was the best player on the floor because he's a dog and he went and got it every, and he went and played every possession. And I, I want to see some of that from, from uh, Scotty Barnes. Well, let's talk about Wagner. Uh, this is the last guy we'll sort of talk about in the top, top of the draft. Uh, and, and you've, you've, you said it quite well. If you watch the first half of that LSU game, you're scratching your head a little bit with Wagner. Like how is this guy, a potential top 10 pick. And and then you watch the second half and especially the closing minutes of that game at LSU and he's the best player on the floor. And one of the unique thing about Wagner, you know, to me is that he's one of these guys that is just so well-rounded in what he does. There's not one part of his game that particularly pops, but he can handle the ball. He can rebound. Uh, he, uh, defensively, I think he moves his feet really well and he can defend multiple positions on the floor. He's going to pick up steals and blocks. He's an okay shooter. He's not a, an elite shooter. He shot 37% from three. But, you know, in the tournament, uh, he was he was two for eight uh, from three. But but he can shoot it. And when you put all of this together, he's one of the, the like, Swiss Army knives that, that you can deploy in multiple ways depending on what the defense gives you. I, I can't wait. I think we're going to actually see some Scotty Barnes and Franz Wagner uh, head-to-head uh, in this Florida State-Michigan matchup. What did you think about him this weekend and his NBA draft? Prospects? I think he helped himself as much as any guy in the draft this weekend. That's that's what I thought of him. I think that Franz Wagner, at the end of this draft process, could probably can he has upside to rise all the way up to number six in the draft. And I say this because. He does, like you said, he doesn't do one thing great, but he does everything well. And um, he's got a mindset that he's just going to keep playing. He gets to the next play. Like, that was, that was, like, I was just so impressed with that. Like, he was, he struggled against LSU's athleticism the entire game. And then, it, you know, he adjusted and he figured it out. And he he went and got it and, and, and kept moving on to the next play. And by the end of the game, he figured out a way uh, to 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 be the most impactful player on the floor. You know, he had the breakaway dunk. He had the offensive rebound and layup. He had the big, he had the big three, I believe. Um, you know, he made plays defensively. Um, you look at Franz Wagner, you don't you don't think athlete. But he's a much, much, much better athlete than than he looks. Um, you know, he particularly vertically. Uh, he's a good passer. He's a good ball handler. He's got great positional size. Uh, his body has real upside. Like I think that his body's going to be able to hold 20, 25 pounds of muscle. Uh, I I just think that. You know, particularly if he particularly if he goes to a really good developmental program, uh, I think that France is going to be a really good NBA player. I do as well. He's number seven on our board. Uh, that was pre the NCAA tournament. For NBA teams that rely heavily on analytics, I think he's become the analytics darling as well. Uh, for uh, for NBA teams, when you look at his statistical profile, uh, on top of it, he projects. As a really good player in the NBA, I also thought uh, he definitely helped himself at the end of that LSU game and really showed what his value proposition was going to be at the next level. When we return, we're going to move outside our top 10, and and Tony and I are going to talk about some prospects uh, that impressed us, including a few prospects that haven't been heavily mentioned uh, as NBA draft prospects. Uh, When we return, you're listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. Locker Room is the perfect place to start or join conversations about the league. You'll find fans just like you on Locker Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course reacting to big news or rumors 
You can even find Locked On hosts across the NBA, MLB, and NHL. Go download the free Locker Room app now, currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the group for the latest league updates. I know you will find a ton of incredible rooms around your favorite teams and leagues. Download the Locker Room app today. Locker Room, changing the way we talk about sports. I want to talk about our new sponsor, rockauto.com. It's a family business. It's been serving auto parts to customers online for 20 years. And if you think about chain stores and they have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody. They're reliably low. They offer the lowest possible prices rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and then you choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. And we are back talking March Madness 2021 NBA Draft Stock Watch. That's uh, Tony and I looking at which prospects helped and hurt themselves uh, in the 2021 NBA Draft in March Madness uh, this weekend. Before we go there, make sure that you get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Pukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcast. Tony, let's start thinking out of the box here. We don't have to totally think that way. But who were other prospects that really you think helped themselves as NBA prospects this weekend in Indianapolis? Well, I like real, I like Herb Jones um, from the six foot nine four from Alabama. Um, not a great athlete. But six foot nine can really handle the basketball. Um, you know, uh, plays really hard. Uh, does it on both ends of the floor. Does it defensively? Um, you know, and I think that you know he's somebody that can that that can uh, affect games uh, in, in a lot of ways. Um, you know, so he's a guy that that really stuck out to me uh, watching him. Watching, watching his movements, um, you know, watching how he plays from possession to possession. Uh, I think that he's, I think that he's a guy that 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 really uh, um, stuck out to me. Uh, I thought that that Jaime uh, Jaime Jaime Jacquez uh, from UCLA. Uh, I thought that 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 he stuck out to me. Um, you know, uh, he's a guy that I think that. In a year or two, uh, he's going to going to be able to 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 develop, um, you know, into a a an NBA prospect as well. Um, uh, and I thought the Jarrell kid from from uh, from from Houston really intrigued with him, especially if he can if if his ability to play point guard at the college level translates to his ability to play point guard at the pro level. Uh, he, he has, he, he projects his, his real positional size. Uh, I know the jump shot's got to come a long way. Um, you know, not, so I, I think that, that he's a guy that stood out to me. And I thought the Hamlet kid from North Texas, 
uh, stood out to me as well. Uh, it reminds me a lot of tr watching Trent Forrest, you know, as, as you know, I covered the Utah Jazz. So I've gotten the chance to watch Trent Forrest a lot this year. And in and, and the Hamlet kid kind of reminds me of that, like, you know, really poised, you know, not overly athletic, but really good positional size. Uh, doesn't really shoot it from the perimeter, but if he gets into that lane, he's got, you know, a real floater game that can that can sustain him at the next level. Uh, so, so those are some of the guys that stood out to me. You know, of the guys that you mentioned, uh, I, I think Herb Jones has has significantly improved his draft stock over the last um, few weeks, and uh, and even though he he was a bit quiet uh, against against Maryland in part because of foul trouble uh, for him, only played 17 minutes in that Maryland game. One thing that I think NBA teams are looking for are wings that can fit multiple positions, uh, can handle the basketball, uh, can shoot it a little bit. Herb Jones does all of that. I, I think his, especially when you think about defensively, the impact that he could have at the next level as a six-eight, uh, as a six-eight wing, uh, he's he's a really intriguing prospect. He's 22 years old, and and we know that that's one of the big question marks that NBA teams are going to have. Uh, about prospects, but I, I think I think we see Herb Jones drafted late first, early second. Uh, you know, by for sure by the forties as a, and a team taking a flyer on this guy that's going to be able to come in and be able to guard uh, wings at the NBA at a high level and and may even actually turn into sort of a three and D uh, type prospect. My guys, one a guy that we've talked about. Um, a, a ton, Tony, you and I, I think we've probably been leading the charge here, but Davian Mitchell, uh, I, I think if there were any skeptics about what he, what his NBA draft prospects were going to look like, I, I think his performance uh, this weekend for Baylor, uh, I, I really, I really think probably erased, erased those questions. Uh, he is not only just such uh, you know, so incredible on the defensive end of the basketball. Uh, you can you can make an argument to me that he's the best guard defender um, in the draft right now. Uh, but his ability to impact the game uh, offensively as well. He shoots the basketball. Um, you know, he had eight assists uh, against Wisconsin. Uh, the toughness toughness that's there, the athleticism that's there. I know you you were one of the first people to say that he looks a lot like another. Another Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell, a little bit shorter version of Donovan Mitchell. You know, people have been talking about him as you know a second-round prospect that maybe creeps into the first round. I think he's going to go in the teens. I won't even be surprised if he ends up sneaking into the late lottery. His age is obviously the big, big question mark against him as well. He's already 22 years old. Uh, what did you think about Davian Mitchell uh, and and Baylor's performance in this uh, in the in the draft? Yeah, I love I love Mitchell's. Um you know, what his game is. Um, I think he's going to be able to come in and, 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 and play really well defensively. Um, I, I question a little bit his jump shot, but, you know, he's got the chops off the dribble to beat people off the dribble, to get to the basket. Uh, he's got really long arms. Um, I'm really a fan of this game, a fan of how uh, he plays from, from he, get, he, he gets after from play to play. Um, you know, I think that he's, he's a guy that, that, that I just think is going to be a really good defender, um, at the next level. Um, you know, so he, he, uh, he has a chance to, to, to me, uh, go, you know, anywhere between the, you know, late teens to 35. Um, I know he has a fan in the, in the Utah jazz for sure. Um, and, you know, and, and, and Donovan Mitchell is definitely aware of him, uh, because, you know, his, his NBA friends keep tagging him and saying, Hey, you know, I didn't know that you played for Baylor because, you know, when you watch Davion Mitchell, you know, he, 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 if you close your eyes or, you know, if you just, you know, he, he looks like Donovan Mitchell out there, uh, probably, not, you know, probably not the vertical, uh, not the vertical athlete that Donovan is, but he's he's every bit the the uh, the, the the athlete, the same athlete on the ground that Donovan is, and they have very 
similar body types, you know, so it's, um, you know, so it's easy to look at him and, and look at the body types and look at the 45 on the back of the jersey and a Mitchell on the back of the jersey and you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> um, so, you know, it, it, they better not ever have the same hairstyle. That's that's what I would say. Um, but I, I, I'm completely all in, all in on Davion Mitchell as an NBA prospect. I'm completely on in on him as a, as a first round prospect. I think that he's terrific, and I think that I think that Baylor on a whole was terrific uh, in in the first two rounds. I thought that they really handled business, especially against Wisconsin. And and hats off to John Hollinger who identified Matthew Mayer oh my as God, a, he's good. as an NBA prospect. The, yeah, d- despite the fact that this is a a player that averages about 15 minutes a game and hasn't started a game in his three years, uh, comes in. Has a has a huge game against Wisconsin, seventeen points, uh, stroking the three, getting it done defensively uh, as well. And uh, if if you had any skepticism about why Hollinger saw him as an NBA prospect, I I, I think he erased it in, in just in that game. Uh, and if you if you extrapolate his numbers out because he only plays fifteen minutes a game and put him on a per thirty six average, uh, it's wow. Uh, what what he does whenever he's on the floor, he is not shy. Doesn't he look like uh, he is going to have an impact? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> that's a, that's a great call. Um, and and he, and and he has he makes some decisions and and shot shot uh, uh, you know shot selection that's questionable for sure. Uh, but when you look at you know a guy that's six nine. 225 that moves the way that he moves and can shoot the basketball the way he shoots it. He's shooting uh, for the season uh, 42% um, from three. Uh, I I think he's a really, really interesting prospect as well. I want to talk about another guy that would have been on the NBA radar as a freshman, has has struggles at Kentucky, uh, transfers to UCLA, and and has quietly had a really strong sophomore season, uh, Johnny Zuzang. Uh, out of UCLA, and uh, and and has and has played really well uh, in the in, in the NCAA tournament uh, so far. That UCLA's already three games into this tournament, and curious what your thoughts were about Juzang and what you think about uh, his NBA prospects. I think he's an NBA prospect, and and the reason why is because I I I think that his 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 style of play is very 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 adaptable to the NBA. Uh, he's a pin down screen guy. He's a screen. He he's a come off screen guy. Um, he's a shooter off a of zero. He's a catch and shoot off. Uh, he can get a shot off of one bounce, two bounces, three bounces, even up to three bounces. Um, he's six for seven. So he's going to have really good positional size. Um, and he's a fearless shooter uh, as well. So I think that. His ability to shoot the basketball, um, no question makes him an NBA prospect. And it's probably not going to be this year, um, you know, but I think that he's going to be able to put himself on the radar uh, by next year. Um, Now, he's going to have to develop the parts of his game that don't involve shooting the basketball or having the basketball in his hands. He's got to develop the deep. He's got to develop defensively. He's got to develop some type of playmaking chops, playmaking acumen. Um, even if it's secondary, um, you know, he's, he's, he's got to develop those other parts. But, you know, the way that he plays the game is very NBA-like. Uh, and his ability to shoot the basketball, to me, is going to get him a look for sure. Uh, the only thing that I'll disagree with you on is that it's going to be next year. Um, first of all, I think the the trend anymore, uh, especially for players like him that had his eye on the NBA and and probably he felt that he was being patient, uh, not declaring after his freshman year, uh, are, are that they want they want to be in the league. And I, I think he's going to get look looks in the second round, uh, just based off his talent level, his age. Um, what he brings to the table. So I, I, I won't be surprised, Tony, to see him declare for the draft and stay in the draft as so many prospects do nowadays that that even even if just their projected, projection right now is as a second-round pick, certainly another year at UCLA uh, could be really helpful, but a, a lot of prospects just aren't going to be patient. One more. This is a pain point. 
Let's talk about Jabari Walker uh, from Colorado. I don't want to talk about Jabari his, Walker. His, <laughs> his his father is Samaki Walker. Uh, he's first team uh, Pac-12 All Freshman. At, comes off the bench uh, for Colorado. Has the game of his life uh, against Georgetown. Uh, and and I mean he he's just he's just a monster. Twenty four points, nine for ten from the field, five for five from three. Uh, gets a couple of blocks. Uh, looks like. An NBA lottery pick. I'm out there at 6'8", 200 pounds, his ability to move the ball, shoot the basketball. Then against Florida State, zero points, 0 for 5 from the field, 0 for, 0 for 3 from 2, really struggles with the physicality uh, of Florida State. Uh, and, and, and you know, interestingly, just just the complete opposite of a game. And when you when you go back and look at his, his, his season, that was sort of... You know the name of the game for him: big games, uh, big get in that twenty-three point game against Cal, uh, a big game against Utah. Uh, but but then there's these other other times that you know he's he's doing nothing in the Pac-12 tournament against USC. He plays seven minutes, has no points. But when you when you look at the profile of a player like him with the length, uh, with the ability to shoot the basketball, with his ability to move and 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 defend and play multiple positions, does this one performance? do enough to skyrocket his draft stock where someone says, I'm going to take a flyer on this guy uh, in the late first round or second round? Or do you think that this was just a, a flash in the pan? I want to answer this carefully. Um, okay, number one, he was terrific against Georgetown, right? Like, he made every shot. Um, but he had never come close to having that kind of a game. Not even, not even remotely close. Uh, by the fourth three-pointer, you know, he was running up the floor, MJ shrugging, you know, because he knew that, like, yo, I've never I've never hit, like, four or five threes in a game, you know, or at least a college game. Um, but the skill set is there. He's, you know, when you're six foot nine, you can pick and pop like, like he's capable of. Um, you know, he you know, that's a really valuable skill set at the NBA level, especially when you can do it from beyond the arc. And the thing that was impressive for Jabari Walker and the way that he did it uh, against Georgetown is he did it from all beyond the arc. He did it above the break. He did it in both corners. Uh, he did it, you know, on the wings. Uh, so he did it from everywhere. So there's, there's not going to be, you know, you're not going to say, okay, he's limited by where he is, um, behind the arc. So, you know, you can throw that part out. Now, that being said, um, I thought he had a lot of help from Georgetown in, in getting that. Now, he had to make the shots, but uh, I'm going to, you know, Georgetown was so bad at defending in that game. Uh, I don't think that, I mean, they were all practice looks. You know, they were just all wide open looks. Uh, from the perimeter with nobody around him. Um, now you got to give him credit for actually making those shots because now even even wide open looks, there are not a lot of college kids that are going to shoot uh, um, as well as he shot from from three, uh, even in an empty gym. Um, you know, so the skill set is there, and you have to give him um, you have to give him credit for the skill set. Um, but until he starts doing it from game to game, and we're not talking about shooting nine for 10 from three, but until he starts, you know, um, making an impact from game to game, uh, it's it's going to be really tough. He definitely needs to come back and have a good year next year. Um, you know, and I, I think that, you know, obviously he has the pedigree. Uh, Samaki was a monster at Louisville, and he turned out to be a really good longtime pro. Um, you know, but there's, you know, he's, he's going to have to, 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 to keep working. Uh, he's going to have to keep developing on both ends of the floor. And I think he's going to have to develop his body as well. I think he needs a summer in the weight room. Agree with everything that you say. I also, the skeptic in me is that an agent's going to get a hold of him, uh, and, and tell him or a team, uh, you know, tell him that, you, you know, like, like sometimes these international players that, 
uh, are all upside and, you know, that teams are going to take a flyer on, you know, at what point in the draft do you say, you know, we'll stick Jabari Walker in the G League and we'll develop him and, you know, we'll pay him and, and come out now. It'll be really interesting. I agree he needs another year. Uh, but, you you know, when you extrapolate, again, his numbers out, he only only played 14 minutes a game. First of all, he shot 52% from three for the season, uh, not just in that Georgetown game. So that wasn't a fluke. Uh, and he, and he did have a few big games. He 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 actually had a really big game against Cal uh, with 23 points, 11, three for three from three in that game. Had a big game against Utah. Um, there were moments uh, when when he shined enough that that make him interesting. I, I I hope he stays in school. I think that's the right the right choice. Uh, but again, I don't be surprised if we hear him declaring for the draft. And if he declares for the draft, someone. Uh, like they did uh, with Poku a little bit, saying, hey, you know, we're going to take a guy and we're just going to develop him. Um, when we come back in our last segment, we're just going to talk about a few guys that maybe hurt their draft stock a little bit. Uh, we're listening with Tony Jones of The Athletic. You're listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. The improved Built Bar tastes even better than the old ones. They're in 18 amazing flavors Six new flavors, Caramel Brownie, Cookies and Cream, Cherry Barcia, Lemon Almond Cheesecake, Carrot Cake, Apple Almond Crisp. That's on top of all of the original flavors that you typically love, the Coconut Almond, the Raspberry, the Banana Bread, one of my favorites, the Mint Brownie. Also love that Orange Bar and the Coconut One as well, of course, being in Hawaii. And the great thing about these bars is that they taste like a candy bar, but they're actually healthy. And for, for someone like me who exercises a lot and runs a lot and cares a lot about what he puts into his system, I love the fact that it's low calorie, it's low sugar, it's got high protein, it's got high fiber, 19 grams of protein, uh, in fact, which is which is pretty awesome. And so go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on. That's builtbar.com. Use promo code locked on and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com. And we are back talking 2021 NBA draft, March Madness stock watch. We talked about a number of uh, players that impressed us uh, in the tournament. Now it's time. We'll keep this segment short. Nobody likes to hate on players just based off of a game or two. But was there anybody that you watched, Tony, that after kind of watching them in the tournament, you're like, I'm not sure why the draft buzz is the way that it is on them right now, or you think maybe hurt their case a bit? Uh in the tournament? Um, not really. I mean, I, so, you know, when I watch Moses Moody, um, like, I think that he's worth the lottery pick right now because, um, because of how good he is defensively. Um, but you know, when I watch Moses Moody, I mean, if you think, if you look at a lottery pick, right, you want a lottery pick to become a star. And at this point, I think Moses Moody projects as as, as a three and D guy, um, mostly as a three and D guy. So typically, you know, if you're a three and D guy, that's a role player, um, you know. So so I, I think uh, not so much hurt his stock, but as 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 much as you know, I'm not sure if this guy. Uh, I'm not sure if this guy is going to be a star at the NBA level. Um, I think, um, you know, and like you said, I'm not hating on these guys. I, I just think that uh, these these are guys that have to to develop parts of the game. I look at Illinois uh, and I look at Ayo DeSumo. Um, you know, he's, to me right now, he's stuck between positions. Uh, he's not quite a shooting guard at the NBA level. 
Uh, he's definitely right now at the NBA level, not a point guard for me because he doesn't know how to run a team. I think that um, I, I think that if he, he had an acumen to be able to get guys into their spots, uh, get Kofi to rock, um, I think that, you know, that, that game against Loyola could have gone different. Not that Illinois would have still won the game, um, but it could have been a lot closer down the stretch uh, if, if uh, Illinois had done the right things. Um, um, you know, I think uh, Kofi – now, I think Kofi hurt himself a little bit because I think that his inability to play pick and roll was really exposed uh, in, 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 in the, uh, the, the Loyola Chicago game, uh, you know, basically, you know, Loyola, they, they ran a lot of exotic looks, but it all, but after all of those exotic looks, it came down to one play, you know, put, putting Kofi in pick and roll and they basically got anything they wanted there. Um, I think if you look at, uh, I think if you look at Texas, uh, you got a question, you know, whether Matt Coleman is going to be able to make shots at the NBA level. Uh, you have to question outside of athleticism. What is Greg Brown's NBA skill at this point? Um, you know, so those are some of the, the, the players that, that, you know, I watched that, you know, you come away with with real question marks. I think the the the, the least amount of DEFCON in terms of being concerned is Moses Moody. I think that Moses Moody, you know, he's once you get him into the NBA, he's going to be plugging. He's going to be plug and play and he's going to be uh, a solid role player at at a baseline for 10 years. It's just the what what's going to be his upside. And that's going to be determined um, by how much he develops off the dribble. Agree with all those. Uh, Greg Brown is one. I mean, he can really even get on the floor. He played six minutes. Uh, for for Texas, and it's clear that Shaka Smart didn't really trust trust him uh, in that setting uh, to give him more time. And you know, it's really hard to think about a guy who who has lottery pick athleticism and raw talent uh, that is at the end of the season. His last two games, both both played six six minutes in each of those games, and and it kind of played himself out of the rotation. Uh, it's 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 a it's it's a red flag for sure, and the athleticism level is is off the charts. He may be the most explosive player that we're going to see uh, in this draft, but there's question marks there. I wonder a little bit about Book Knight and whether what he did at the beginning of the season uh, is now carrying him maybe too far towards the end of the season. I mean, he's going to end the season shooting under thirty percent from three. Uh, which is which is a which is a problem. Uh, I thought he really struggled against Maryland um, in that game. I, I thought that this was maybe one of his his worst performances of the year. And uh, you know, you look you look at his, his shooting over the last three games, and he's you know one for thirteen from three. He he doesn't have elite size for his position. He's a he's an he's an excellent scorer, but is he is he a lottery pick? Uh, you know, is the is the question. Uh, you know, as a sophomore and, and I, you know, based off the early returns in the season, I think that was the general consensus. And I, I wonder as teams have, have scouted him a little bit more and just talking to some general managers, whether some of that shine, uh, has begun to wear off, off on him. Uh, you know, Jaden Springer is another guy who's, who just seems to be a bit polarizing. He, he didn't necessarily play poorly, um, in the Tennessee game, uh, that, that bounced them in the first round, but he, he wasn't great either. And definitely a a guy that is I've talked to NBA scouts and some decision makers that are still trying to get their arms around what he is as an NBA prospect at the next level and being kind of one and done in the tournament and and not having a great game. I I certainly don't think he helped this stock. Um, Those were the those were the players that for me, I think, stood out as 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 potential players that maybe maybe hurt themselves a little bit uh, in, in this prospect. Uh, in this uh, in this March Madness, well, look when we come back next season, uh, we are go- or sorry ne- next week when we come back next week, Tony and I are going to come back and talk about what's going to happen uh, in the Sweet Sixteen and the Elite Eight, uh, and and do another draft stock watch. I think one of the things that I'm 
definitely excited about is that, uh, you know, sometimes the NCAA tournament is helpful for watching uh, draft prospects and sometimes it isn't. But as you look at, you know, some of the teams that are are, you know, still in this uh, in this tournament uh, going forward, we're, we've still got Baylor, we've still got Arkansas, we've still got uh, Gonzaga, we've still got uh, Michigan. Uh, we're going to be able to see uh, some of the best prospects in the draft uh, continue to play and, and play against each other. And so we'll be back next week and we'll break down uh, our thoughts about who helped and hurt their draft stock uh, in the NCAA tournament. You've been listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. Aloha. Aloha. 